You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Family Business Podcast. I hope everybody has had a fantastic week. Um, I've certainly had a busy one, been up and down the country to various different things to um, to do with family businesses. Um, and I have just finished recording this week's interview, which is with a chap called Dov Barron. Now, if you haven't heard of Dov, he has been speaking internationally for about 30 years um, and has his finger on the pulse in terms of the evolving world of next-gen leadership. And we touch on some of the characteristics of that in this week's show. He's twice been cited as one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers. So very, very grateful for Dov for coming on the show. Um, he's a master storyteller. You'll hear that in the, uh, in the interview. And um, he speaks at conferences, he speaks to state departments, the United Nations, all around leadership. And uh, he agreed to come on uh, on my little podcast, which uh, is very much appreciated. Um, Dov has a fantastic exercise in this episode on how to find your purpose. So I am going to do that myself. Um, it's something where uh, I think there is a huge amount of benefit to be taken from it so feel free to do so as well and there's also a request at the end of the show from Dov uh, as to um, something he'd like you to do so I won't ruin it by um, telling you now listen to the end of the show and um, if you can then that would be much appreciated Uh, before we get into the interview just um, a little uh, nod to some reviews that have been left Uh, we've had another three five-star reviews on itunes so thank you to tez269 who left a review saying having been involved in family business for 30 years i wish this podcast was available 20 years ago valuable advice from family business experts Um, thank you for those comments uh, tez Uh, a comment here from ian marsh as well who you may remember from a couple of episodes and he's been kind enough to leave a review as well. And that says this series should be essential listening for all involved with family business, whether they are in the midst of that unique experience or on the outside trying to help. The range of topics covered is suitably broad and Russ's interviews are relaxed and wide ranging. Thank you for those comments, Ian. Much appreciated. And Yellow Hat 4 has left a brief review saying really insightful interviews. Great to hear from family businesses about their own stories. So thank you guys for those reviews. Um, if you are a regular listener and you are enjoying the shows, please do leave us a review on iTunes. It does help. It helps us to be found by other people. It also helps people to understand a little bit more about the podcast. If they're looking for something new, they read the review and see that it's um, interesting, hopefully. And uh, and we can get more listeners, which would be Fantastic. So enough wittering on from me. I will pass you over to um, the interview now with Dov um, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I am absolutely delighted today to be joined by, um, how can I introduce you, a leadership guru. 
um, Dov Barron, um, who joins me from over in the States. Um, firstly, Dov, thank you for coming on the show and, and welcome. My absolute pleasure. Thank you, Russell. I appreciate you inviting me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Um, and the topic of today's conversation is going to be uh, leadership and loyalty in the family business, which, um, as we said, you're a, a leadership guru, so I'm really excited about the stuff we're going to cover today. Um, but before we get into the questions, perhaps you could give our audience a bit of an overview of um, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and how you've come to, to be doing that today. <laughs> do you have a couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, as you said, uh, recognized and I'm grateful to be recognized um, by Inc. Magazine as the, one of the top 100 leadership speakers in the world to hire. I had that twice in a row. Top 30 gurus for leadership, uh, global gurus. So, you know, some nice accolades and that's all lovely stuff. But the truth is um, that the work that I do um, in the family office space, in the family business space, is very different than what most people are doing in that uh, we, my specialty is family dynamics, actually understanding what drives individuals and what drives them inside of, a, of an organization to behave the way they behave, removing behavioral risk and allowing people to connect and bond. I mean, when you think about it at the simplest possible level, the primary driver of human beings is to belong. We mm -hmm. all want to feel like we belong to something. And very often in a family business, business takes over from family and people feel um, isolated and they feel like they've been pushed out. And so they feel like they lose their family. The work that I do is how to bring that together. What is the thread that brings the family and the business together so that both uh, uh, abundant. Fantastic. And um, one of the things we missed in our intro is you're also an author. Yeah, that uh, nine books, I think. No, wow. <laughs> yeah. um, and you've recently written a book called um, Fiercely Loyal, which is uh, subtitled as How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. Um, mm -hmm. What led you to, to write that now and, and what can we learn from it? It, um, thank you for asking. It, uh, the book was written because uh, one of the things I recognized and I stated right at the beginning of the book is we are on the brink of a, an employee crisis. Um, as uh, Shane Green said, in the war on talent, uh, talent won. Right. So what does that mean? It means that when I started in the workforce, um, many hundreds of years ago. <laughs> um, people asked, what did you want to do for a career? And that was a 20 to 40 year question. For a millennial, a career is a four year question. Uh -huh. Now, you know, so the assumptive idea that we're going to be in a career for 20 to 40 years is crazy now because people are in careers for, for about four years. Now, please know I said career, not job. Uh -huh. People go, but this is different. This is family business. No, it's not different. There's, a, there's an assumption, certainly. There may be some obligation, certainly. But if you don't keep your family members engaged and show them a way to be entrepreneurial, meaning behave like an entrepreneur inside of the organization, you're going to find your people breaking away very fast to do their own thing, uh -huh. even though they are family members. So the book came out of this, this understanding that we are losing our top talent very often um, – 
the company will spend 1.5 to two times the annual salary of an individual in training and developing them. So think about that, 1.5 to two times. That means they've got to be with you for a minimum of two years for you to get your ROI. And if they're leaving you, which is what is happening in jobs, every 1.2 to 1.5 years, they're losing you. You're losing your top talent before you've got any ROI, let alone keeping them for for a career. That's why the book was written. Fantastic. And obviously you've just outlined there one of the key benefits to businesses from creating loyal and talented staff. But Mm -hmm. how do business go about creating that loyalty? Again, good question. Um, It's it's fascinating to me because, as you know, I work all over the world, work with family businesses uh, across across the globe, and uh, there's some cultural differences for sure. Uh But the bottom line is this, coming back to what we talked about, the common thread is this, that what creates loyalty is the bond. And what creates the bond is purpose. Okay. Millennials, more than anything, want to do meaningful work. And meaningful work means that I find meaning in what I'm doing, and that meaning is associated, is connected to the meaning of what we do as a collective. Uh-huh. So if the meaning of our company has been lost, if the purpose has been lost, and very often in a family business, particularly a multi-generational one, the intent of the original founder has been diluted and maybe even lost. And when you talk to somebody in a business, they say, well, what are, you, what are you in? Well, we're in import-export. Okay, that's what you do, but what's the purpose of it? Oh. Well, we, we make money. Yeah, okay. What's the purpose of it? Well, the reason that we go into business, any of us, is to create a, a better life for the people that we love. That's true. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is what is it that your heart and soul cries out to do? What is the impact you want to have that's beyond money? That is what bonds people to you. That's what bonds people to the family and keeps them loyal. So finding your purpose is number one. It's the highest thing. And because through that, we can overcome a lot of the conflicts inside of the family. Because even if I don't agree with you, but I agree with the purpose and you agree with the purpose, we can find common ground to work together. Fantastic. And a a couple of things that I'd like to to pick up on from that is, one is um, one of my own observations in in terms of generational difference. Um, If if we take the example of a a senior generation and the next generation coming through, the the purpose of um, the, the overall purpose of the business can sometimes be lost in that um, generational difference. So mm-hmm. the world in which people are growing into now is entirely different and often almost foreign to the, the world in which um, the senior generation would have grown up in. So even from a mm-hmm. technological point of view, from a political point of view, from how small the world is now, um, how can families start to overcome some of those differences or, or just recognize those? Well, there's, there's no doubt that, we, that a millennial is growing up in a different world than a baby boomer was and a Gen Z, Gen Z, which is uh, somebody who is now at the eldest 18 years old. So let's just put this in context for everybody who's listening. So Gen Z or Gen Z, the, uh, their oldest are 18 years old. Uh-huh. Next generation that follows that 
are millennials. They are 18 to 38 years old. So we think about millennials, we think about them being kids. They're not kids. Many of them are in leadership positions today. Many of them are on the brink of taking over very large organizations today at 38 years old. So, you know, their generation, millennials, it's going to be a vastly different world to that of Gen Z or Gen Z who are 18. Hmm. Just as simply as it is a very different world for baby boomers looking at that. And a lot of the time, the downfall of a baby boomer is not new to baby boomers. And what it is, is, is this is how we do it. If that's your rhetoric, if that's your mantra, Uh like this is how we do it. This is how we've had success. This is how we do things around here. That, my friends, is a mantra for failure. Because the way you did it won't work. I get it. I respect that it did work. I honor that you've done amazing things doing that. But that won't work anymore because the world has vastly changed. And I'll give you one simple way to understand this. As a leader who is over 40 years old, if you're listening, you probably got the idea that showing any vulnerability was a weakness that you never show anybody the chink in your armor and that Mm -hmm. you as the leader should know the answers. That is a complete and total misdirect. If you're going to lead millennials, if you lead millennials from the context of already having the answers, you will disengage them. They will stop listening to you. They will simply see you as rigid. Mm -hmm. Great leaders have to ask why, how, what would you do? Great leaders now are quite great people who ask great questions, not people who have great answers. More than that, that's a piece of vulnerability. Okay. If you don't share your vulnerability, if you don't share your humanity, you cannot bond the millennial to you. So when you're trying, so the conversation becomes, well, I just want to pass on the family values. Well, my question when we work with these people is to say, is that a value or is that a belief? Because there's something vastly different. If it's a belief, it's something you want to be right about. If it's a value, it's something you feel deep down about the truth of who we are and what we represent. Uh So you've got to bring these two things together. So what is it? So number one, what is your purpose? What are the values that hold up that purpose? And can you sort out the values and the purpose from being right and what it is you've done that has worked that may not work anymore in an ever-changing world. Right, I think that's that's a fantastic way of putting it. Completely, and and just in terms of the definition you use there for uh, millennial, I, I didn't realise I snuck in still. Oh, yes. um, so I'm, I'm I'm 37, so I'll, I'll cling on to that for uh, for a whole another year. Uh, <laughs> you'll, no, you can cling on to it forever. You will always be a millennial. Ah, yes, yes, I, yeah, that, good point, good point. Um, the, the other thing that you mentioned there, which I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with, it is the importance of understanding our our true meaning or our purpose. Mm-hmm. That, given that the world we live in today is so fast paced and there's so much vying for our attention. Are there any tips or exercises you can suggest to help us to understand what, or, or to appreciate what our true purpose is? How do we get to that answer? 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. There are a ton. Um, this is the work that we do. I mean, when when a, when a family business brings in my my company, brings in my team, that's the number one thing we're doing. We're trying to find out what is the purpose of this organization. And by the way, it should be clear that very often we're brought into a company or organization that think that they have their purpose, but what they have in actuality is a finely dressed up um, mission statement, which is not the same as a purpose at all. So one of the key things around this is uh, if we're working with an executive, um, we will look at, well, what is the, what is the purpose of the founder? Then we want to look at what is the purpose of each of the executives, uh, you know, in the C-suite in a family business is exactly the same. We're looking at what is the, what is the purpose of the founder if the founder is still around. If there's not, whoever is presently running uh, things, what is their purpose as an individual? What is the purpose of each of the individuals inside that family who are um, very much involved? And so we have to get sorted out here. There's a distinction between family, business, and operations. Uh-huh. If you think about those three circles there, right? So you're born into the family. You can be ostracized from a family and you can remove yourself from a family, but you are still tied into that family in some way. Uh-huh. You may have a sense of being part of the business at a wealth sense, meaning that you are, you know, you have shares, you have dividends, etc from being part of that family. But then there's the business operations, which is a third entity. And we've got to understand that those three things don't necessarily inter- intersect. Uh-huh. And that you may want to be part of one, but not part of all three. You may want to be part of two, but not all three. You may want to be part of all three, but you're not fitted. You don't have the, the skills to be in all three. Yeah. So what we want to find out is what is each of the purposes of those individuals to find out if there is, in fact, a great glue something that pulls you all together and so one of the things that we look at is at a simple question money's not a problem i mean this is there's much deeper but i just want to give you the, the sort of surface of it um if money's not a not money's not a challenge money's not an issue money's not the driving force if money isn't why we do what we do and they you know money suddenly disappears from the planet and they now have to say well why does this company exist and you can't brag about profits and you can't talk about um, growth in that way. Why does this company exist? Why is this business in place? This mm-hmm. is an important question for us to ask. That's where we just start. Then as individuals, and I just want to give you an exercise here to think about. This is a very powerful exercise. So if you have a pen and paper, write down at least the questions and then ponder the answers over time. So what I want you to think about is this. I want you to Im- Imagine that you've, no doubt you've been to a funeral, but I want you to imagine it's your own funeral. And you can do this, Russ, as we walk through. Yeah. So imagine that you're at a funeral. If you've been to a funeral, you know that what happens in the person at the front of the room, the person delivering the eulogy, I like to call them dry cleaners. (laughs) And the reason for that is because their job is to clean up the life of the person who they're delivering the eulogy about. Uh Uh-huh. Right? We usually say all the wonderful things about this, about this person. So as an example, many years ago, a friend of mine invited me to the funeral of his father because he didn't want to go alone. I wanted, he wanted support. I went, but I knew their relationship. I knew what kind of a dad he'd been, and it was not a very good one. 
But I went. And at the front of the room, the person giving the eulogy was talking about how this man had paid the rent of the neighbor many, many years ago without ever being asked and without ever asking for the money back. And that was the primary story delivered at the eulogy. Now, there was a lot of stuff missed about a very dark man and a very dark past. But the one good thing was picked out. So here's the question in finding your purpose. What is it that you want them to say your eulogy if they can only say one to two things? If they can only say one to two glorious things, what is it that you want them to say? And if you don't know the answer right now off the top of your head, that's okay. Just write the question. What ideally do I want them to say at my eulogy? And if you want to write a long piece, that's fine. But boil it down to one to two statements. What are the one to two things it would say? Uh Now, at your own funeral, I want you to imagine yourself floating to the back of the room so that you're at the back of the room in the back pews where people are going to be less courteous and less uh, wanting to blow smoke up your skirt but tell you the truth. Uh And what I mean by that is that when I was at that funeral and and that person delivering the eulogy talked about this, this gentleman having paid the rent, I was sitting at the back with his son who had lived with him. And around the back were some people who had known the old guy for many, many years. And I knew how he had beaten his son and how he had treated his son so incredibly poorly all his life. And so I heard the whispers in the back pews. Mm. So here's the question I want to ask you now is what is it you fear they would whisper? Now you don't have to tell anybody else. But you do have to know yourself. What is it you fear they would whisper? And sometimes what you fear they would whisper is true, meaning it's something that you actually did. You know, it's something that you would hate people to know, but it's actually a truth. It might get exposed in those back pews. Uh-huh. If it, even if it, you haven't done it, it might be something you would fear. So something that you would, you would hate them to say about you. By looking at those two things, so the thing that you would most want them to say and the thing that you would most fear about them saying, look for the common connection between those two things. Uh That is going to align you with your purpose. It's going to start the first level of digging into your purpose. And again, this is the work that we do. We help people to to find that purpose too. Because when you unite a family around a common purpose – it is fun. It is just amazing what happens. Yeah. And a similar example I'll give you of, of an individual I work with, somebody I was just talking to you about uh, before we started recording, Russell. Uh-huh. Um, a, a good friend, a, uh, a client of mine, and now one of the leading people in the space around family business consulting, uh, Francesco Lombardo. And um, when I started working with him, he didn't know his purpose 12 years ago. He was in the family Uh, business space, and he was doing great work, don't get me wrong, but he had a desire to serve at a much greater level and told me that he really wanted to serve at a greater level. And I said, the only way to do that is to really find your purpose and build your business, focus your business around your purpose. And we went through several iterations, but one of the questions I asked, and this is the one I will ask you, again, you don't have to answer me, you can just think about it yourself, but the question I want to ask you is this what is it that you needed and couldn't get or couldn't get enough of when you were a child what is it that you needed modeled for you 
or to receive. See, one of the things that I needed that I never got when I was a kid from my father was courage. My dad was a coward. Yes, that's a judgment and that's okay. But I know that his behavior was cowardly. When I look at my mom, my mom was very courageous in certain ways. So I needed courage. So one of the one of the key features in my work is I help people to have the courage to stand up for what it is they believe in. I help people to find the courage to follow their purpose in spite of what is in front of them. So look at what it is that you needed and couldn't get. In in Francesco's case, one of the things he needed and couldn't get or couldn't get enough of was the sense that he was safe, a safe space. So as a result, that is the basis of his work. That is the work he does with families. He's, he helps them to create a safe space. He has written a best-selling book called Safe Space that I actually uh-huh. am a co-author on. Okay. So your purpose is always based around those, around those things. There's a deeper level with it, of course, but that's how we start. Does that make sense, Russell? Absolutely. And I, I think the, um, the key thing I, I kind of pull out of that is you need to be brutally honest with yourself in answering those questions. It, it can't be something where you think, right, I've got a spare five minutes. I'll just jot down. I want everyone to think I'm nice. Um, I hope they don't think I'm not nice uh, and I needed more hugs. It, it, it's not as simple as that because for, for it to have um, – true meaning and and for you to buy into it it needs to be something that is true to to yourself would would that be fair if it's not true to yourself it's certainly not your purpose completely so so, but this is and this is why you know it's it's actually the theme of my work which is courage um the courage to tell yourself the truth And, and let me repeat that because i want everybody to listen to that again and write it down the courage to tell yourself the truth. Yeah. That is the ultimate courage. You think about all the things that you've done that were courageous, they're wonderful. But the moment you had the courage to tell yourself the truth. Mm. And, it's, and so when I'm working with somebody, it's not unusual for somebody to say, I kind of knew that. Mm. It's not unusual for them to say that. Ooh, I kind of knew that, uh, but I didn't really want to go there. So my work is actually facilitating people to have the courage to say, to say, to do the thing that they actually knew was under the, was under the sort of under the current. It's mm. just sort of there. And that courage to do that for yourself, that is what sets you free. It's often terrifying, but it's, but it's so emancipating. It's so mm. invigorating and it's so, it just fuels the heart and the soul of an individual. And you mentioned that a lot of your work revolves around that. How um, difficult or how long do people generally take in terms of of finding the answers to those? Is it something that can take? You mentioned 12 years with with Francesco. Is it something that is constantly (laughs) progressing? Is it something where you start off with an idea and refine it down? Um, So that's that's a good question. So no, of course, that's not how long it takes. Um, that was just, uh, that's, he, you know, it's interesting. We met this week and he said to me, um, he said, I just want you to know something. And I said, what? He said, I'm committed to working with you for the rest of my life as long as you're willing to work with me. Yeah. Uh, and now why is that if he's already found his purpose? 
And the answer is, have you ever been to the gym? Yeah, exactly. Listening, yeah? Did you get in good shape from going to the gym? <laughs> and the person says, yeah. I go, well, then you don't have to go ever again, do you? Mm. And the person would say, of course not. Of course I've got to go. What will happen? There's something called atrophy. So it's the same with your growth and your development. Uh-huh. You don't, the, the level of intensity and work that's involved, of course, that, that's working towards, the, working towards the purpose. But maintaining purpose, you have to remember this, that we all have default positions. We all have these fallback positions. And the fallback positions are the things that are comfortable and easy, and the things that we are familiar with. And again, familiar, familiar comes from familios, which is the Latin for familiar to the family. So it's in the family, the way the family did it. So what's familiar to us is what we grew up with. And sometimes that's not the healthiest thing. So we constantly need to stay focused on staying connected to our purpose. But the purpose process, we will normally walk through a family in doing that in less than a year. Um, certainly even with a family that really committed to it, we can do it in six months uh-huh. and get everybody involved, get everybody on board. And, and then we start designing the culture based on that. So, you know, you want a purpose-driven leader, purpose-driven leaders, building a purpose-driven organization with a purpose-driven culture. And when you start having that, you don't only get growth and business. See, this is the interesting thing. Actually, one of the pieces in the book talks about why purpose matters more than profit. Mm. Because the research is there. It's not my opinion, by the way. The research is there that the purpose-driven organizations are the ones that last. They last. Mm. Most of the companies that are on the Fortune 500 today didn't exist as little as 20 years ago. Yeah. The ones that did last are the ones that were purpose-driven. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think the, um, the benefit of having um, uh, within a family organization is um, people should be close on that purpose. It, it, even if it's not naturally communicated, that, that can be done, but they should be close on that purpose because it is uh, a family unit. Well, if they're not, if they're not, um, if they're not communicating it, it's not going to work. I promise mm. you that. Yeah. Um, and it has to be aligned. And when see where you've got people in the family who are feeling disenfranchised, where you've got you know, let's just let's just boil it down for a moment. Family business. There's only two words in there, mm-hmm. which means there's two roots. One is family. One is business. Here's the question: Which one existed first? The answer is family. So if family existed before business, then that's the roots we've got to go to. My work in family dynamics is understanding how to make the dynamics of the individuals work inside of the, inside of the business. And there's, you know, there's some great consultants out there doing phenomenal work with the logistics and the, uh, the, the hard line stuff around governance. Uh-huh. But if we don't have governance of ourselves, if we don't understand the behavioral risk of our interactions, if we don't know how to actually deal with these things. So there are a lot of people who are financial advisors to businesses or, or you know, some other thing like that. And they're, they're faced with psychological challenges because they, they don't know how to deal with these things. Okay. That's our specialty. We find we're the glue. We find the way to, to bridge people. And part of that, what that means is also allowing people to see you know what? I'm born into this family business. 
but this is not my life. This is not who I am. And it's okay. Rather than feeling shame and guilt, just because I'm good at X, Y, or Z doesn't mean that I actually should be in this business, that I need to follow my heart and my soul. And at the same time, honor this family in the best way that I possibly can. Uh-huh. And you, you mentioned earlier about the importance of vulnerability. And I think that that goes both ways, doesn't it? In terms of accepting that as a, as an option, um, might be showing some vulnerability, but that's okay. It's, it's not something to shy away from. Well, yeah, as I said, I think that the greatest strength is vulnerability. And it's, you know, if you're over 40 years old, that feels so counterintuitive because mm. of the way we've been conditioned. But yeah. it is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've mentioned, obviously, vulnerability is a characteristic of um, an effective leader. Mm-hmm. Are there other characteristics that you think leaders should show in today's age and, and how have they changed um, over the years? Obviously, we say vulnerability is counterintuitive. Are, are there other elements of it that um, you see have changed? Yeah, dramatically. Thank you. Um, and, and one of them I've mentioned, and it's definitely tied to vulnerability, uh-huh. and that great leaders are masterful at asking questions rather than coming up with answers. Uh-huh. In the old school way of thinking, if I'm the leader, I have the answers. In the new school of thinking, if I'm the leader, I have the best questions. So what are the questions you need to ask one of the things that's going to make you a great leader today is your commitment to give up being right. If you're trying to be right, you will uh, disenfranchise people, you will push your best people out, you will lose your top talent. See, here's the thing, back to what's changed. When, if you're over 40 years old, you probably have this idea that somebody new comes into the business, let's say you're, uh, you know, you're the uh, 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 second generation leader and you're mentoring or you're about to bring in the third generation leader. Okay. The natural assumption is that you are going to mentor them. And that has some validity to it, but it's not exclusive. So mm. what we know about leaders today is this, that great leaders mentored down, but are mentored up. So what I mean by that is that the, the, the senior leader presently is going to mentor the person coming up, but the person coming up is also going to be mentoring them, not necessarily on the same things, and that we also mentor across. So there's a peer mentoring, and that willingness to allow yourself to be a learner Great leaders are great learners. Uh-huh. Be willing to learn from people who you don't think know as much as you, who probably do know not as much as you, but know something different than you. See, Russell, you, you said you're 37, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Right. So I am certain that if I sat down with you, there are many things I could teach you, many things uh-huh. I could mentor you with. But I'm also certain there are many things you could teach me and many things you could mentor me in. I'm also certain that uh, Francesco, who I told you I've been mentoring for 12 years, uh, also mentors me in certain things. So we mentor across, up, and down. The great leaders of today understand that. 
and we are seeing more and more of this. Um, where you, whenever there's a change, we get a polarity. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was, uh, Heisenberg, who said that for things to change, sometimes the old God have to die. <laughs> what it means uh-huh. is it doesn't mean kill everybody, by the way. <laughs> but what it simply means is that some people are going to hold on to the old idea until they die. Yeah. And that's, that's sad, it's unfortunate, and it's detrimental, particularly to a family business. Mm. So we've got to really embrace this idea that you can teach me as much as I can teach you, maybe not in the same things. Mm. And part of the challenge with it, just to go to the next level of it, is this. Let's, let's talk about succession. Is that okay? Talk about yeah, succession. completely, yeah. Because I think this is where people get very stuck. You know, you've got a bunch of people waiting in the wings for succession. And when we do the interviews and we, we take in, in the inventory, very often what is said is something like this. I'm not sure if I'm ready. That's the, the next gen about to step up. Uh-huh. And so my question to them is, well, what would it take for you to be ready? You know, because they've probably been to Wharton or they've been to the London School of Business or they've been somewhere to get the education They've got the master's degree, et cetera. They've worked inside the family business. Sometimes they've even worked outside of the family business, and they still don't quite feel ready. And then so I talk to the senior leader, and I say, what's your concerns? Well, I don't think my people are ready. I don't think the next gen is ready. So, again, I ask the question, what will make them ready? How would you know they're ready? And so the interesting thing about it is this, is that question is almost unanswerable consistently it's almost unanswerable i'm given some answer that is vague at best and and the reason for it is on several counts but on one count at a senior level it's because of this i want you to think about being a 60 year old leader a 65 year old 70 year old leader of a family business when you go out into a social environment like the rest of us the first thing that is said is your name. Hi, I'm Dolph. Hi, I'm Russ. Hi, I'm Fred. That's number one. What's the next thing we say, Russ? What we do. Exactly, what we do. Mm. So I'm the founder of, uh, I'm the, uh, uh, the president of, I'm the CEO of, you know, whatever the title might be. So if you step down and you allow succession, what do you say then? Yeah. This well, is what I used to be or, yeah. Right. Nobody wants to say I used to be. Nobody wants to say I used to be. So mm-hmm. this is part of the challenge with succession is that oftentimes a senior leader doesn't leave because there's actually an identity crisis. And in my private work, because I do a lot of work one-on-one with individuals, uh, high-level individuals, in the private work is is finding out the identity of that individual beyond the status. Uh-huh. So who are you if you don't have the company? Who are you if you're not the founder, the chairman, the CEO, whatever the title might be? And that is a profound question. But when you know your purpose, it's like, okay, that's cool. Because you understand that the business or even the title was merely a vehicle for fulfilling the purpose. Yeah. And once that happens, then you go, okay, well, if this is my purpose and, it's, and the title or the business was not my identity, 
and it was a vehicle for my purpose, what's the next vehicle? And then it's much easier for them to step away. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that a very sense? valid point. Yeah, completely. I think it's a, a really valid point. And um, loss of identity and a, a loss of sense of purpose is something we come across um, very often when we're dealing. So, so it, it, as part of the day job, I'm a financial planner. So mm-hmm. we work with family businesses on their a succession plan from a, a purpose and identity perspective and um, the, a lot of the how shall I say excuses that we hear from people as to why they can't move on from the business aren't usually the real reason um, a lot of time it is that they don't know what their sense of identity or purpose will be and do they all of a sudden become useless because they are no longer manager director of or, or chairperson of this business Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you say, you, you know, down the golf club is John or Julie, the MD versus just being John or Julie. And, and that transition can be really difficult. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, I mean, you know, you're talking about the changes. But when you think about the changes, I mean, it used to be that we retired at 60 and 65. Yeah. That's not happening anymore. You know, there's Russia yeah. in the business you're in. It's yeah. just not happening. The senior leaders are hanging out a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because of identity, but part of it is very simply that I've got too much energy. Mm. Who the hell wants to stand on a golf course all day long, every day? It's a great yeah. thing to do, but if that's now the thing I do, you know, it's gonna. I mean, we know that people die on average seven years after retirement. Uh-huh. That's an average, seven years after retirement. You retire at 60, you're likely to be dead by 67. So if you retire at 70, you know, you're going to get another 10 years. Mm. But here's the thing. It's not the work. It's the sense of purpose. Yes. So if you have an alignment and a sense of purpose and you know here's where I'm going, I don't need this business to be my sense of purpose. I can now move into another role. I can find another vehicle. Mm -hmm. A vehicle you've been in should be passed on to somebody else because they can bring something to it you couldn't. And what do we know? This is, again, not my opinion. This is statistics. This is research. That the cap on your business is you. The the level of greatness that your business is reaching is limited by you. Get out of the way. That's why great leaders are people who ask questions. And that goes back as well to what you were saying um, earlier on about having the courage to tell yourself the truth. Mm -hmm. Because that's a big step in succession and this the sense of purpose and like you're saying there not linking that necessarily to the business um create or or have another vehicle to to deliver that and as you say get out of your own way and and um allow the next generation to come through absolutely and just think of your purpose in this way so people mix up passion with purpose. They they mix up business with purpose, but there are different things. And the analogy I like to use is this, is think about what you were passionate about when you were 15 or 16 years old. Now, if you're a straight guy, I know exactly what you were passionate about. (laughs) It doesn't take much imagination. Now, unless you've moved into the field of gynecology, there's a good chance that that passion (laughs) has changed because it does. Passion, passion changes. Purpose doesn't. Purple is, purpose is the fuel you put into the vehicle. It's the fuel you put into the vehicle. But when that vehicle is done, it's done. 
And what ha happens is we put that fuel into the vehicle of the family business. And, you know, oftentimes we'll meet people who've been in the family business for 20 years and they are so bored. They are so empty. They are, but, you know, they, of course, they like the lifestyle. They like all those things. And the problem is that they're good at it and it's easy. So they go, yeah. but I'm good at this and it's easy. Yeah, but is your soul dying in the process? Uh. Yeah. So is there a way for you to have the lifestyle and to pass it on, to move on to the next level, to step up into a greater position and find a new vehicle for your purpose that won't be as easy because it's going to challenge you because easy doesn't make you grow. And it uh -huh. is part of the human condition that we need to grow. Every single one of us, we cling to comfort, but we desire growth. Yeah. We deeply desire growth. And we come across that um, in the work we do. And like you were saying, typical retirement sort of 15 years ago was I'll, I'll retire, I'll play a bit more golf, I'll do a bit of gardening and, and maybe travel the world a little bit more. Um, but but if you look at the number of days you've then got, I mean, how good is your garden going to be if, if all you're doing is gardening? Or, or right. you'll either become a pro golfer because you've had so much practice or you'll get so annoyed with it because you're not getting any better that you won't want to play as much golf. And then it's that <laughs> void that needs to be filled. And that's where we see successful um, transitions, retirements, whatever you want to call them, mm. is for those people who do know that they need a purpose and strive to find what that is. Absolutely. Uh, um, and you know what, what's really sad, Russ, is that people are um, striving to find their purpose when they are 65 years old mm. or 70 years old. And that, yeah. for me, I think is unfortunate because, uh, I mean, it's great that you should bother to find it at that point. Yes, definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, but why are you waiting to that point? Yeah. If you are 25 years old and you're looking for your purpose, mm -hmm. that purpose is going to evolve. It's not going to change, but it is going to evolve. Um, if you're 37 years old, you've got some more maturity, you're moving into a position, finding your purpose and aligning your purpose with what you do, mm. you are going to be on fire. Yeah. Yeah, we're firm believers that people should die with memories, not regrets. Absolutely. And, and understanding purpose means you can look back, you know, when, when you're on your last legs and think, actually, um, if I've gone through and answered those questions about imagining my own eulogy, um, mm -hmm. I, I can see that I'm going to I'm going to be sat at the back of the um, church saying, actually, I did this OK. Yes. Well, you know, and, and the simplest of it is, do you want a life that was OK? Mm. Or do you want a life where you look back and it was filled with these magnificent moments? Yeah. You, you know, yeah. the truth of the matter is that when you look at your life, the things that set you on fire, the things that, you know, and you, the wonderful memories you have are probably not the fact that you bought a Rolls Royce. Mm -hmm. It's probably that moment of interaction between you and other human beings. Yeah. And that's why I said the work that we do is family dynamics. Because, I mean, even when we work in a, in a non-family business, one of the things we understand is that there's a family model going on and understanding how to communicate with each other. 
in such a way that is so powerful that lets us meet heart to heart, soul to soul, mind to mind, it changes everything. That's where the moments are. That's where the beauty is. That's where the wealth is. Yeah. Real wealth. Completely agree. Completely agree. Fantastic. Dov, thank you so much. Um, Just just, uh, in terms of um, a couple of of quick fire questions, um, if you could offer family businesses or people within family businesses a single tip, Mm -hmm. um, what would it be? Uh, The simple tip is find your purpose. Find your purpose and, and, and be courageous enough to tell yourself the truth in finding it. Uh-huh. Get help, though. Please, 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 please get help. Whether it's from me and my company at fullmontingleadership.com or whether it's from someone else. Uh-huh. Understand, nobody is objective in their subjective reality. It's impossible. We've all got blind spots. Get assistance. Fantastic. And you mentioned the website there, but how can our audience find out more about you? Yeah, you can find out, you can find out more, more about me at fullmontyleadership.com. Um, I am on LinkedIn, D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Uh, I have a podcast on, uh, it's called Dove Barron's Leadership and Loyalty Tips. It's the number one podcast in the world for Fortune 500 listeners. You can find us there. You can find me on YouTube. Basically, if you Google D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N, you'll find me. And here's the thing. If you want to reach out to me, I do something that people think is crazy, but I do it all the time, and that's this. Feel free to write to me. My email is dov, D-O-V, at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. Dov at dovbaron.com. Write to me. Tell me what you got out of this. And I encourage you to write to Russ, who's taking the time to be here with you, takes the time to find great guests so that you can benefit from this. Write to him. Tell him what you learned, what you gained from this episode with me or any of the episodes that he's taken the time to bring to you. Let him know and write to me. Tell me what you got out of this show. Tell me what you can do, what you're doing with it, and tell me how I can assist you. I'm happy to assist you. It won't cost you anything. We can have a, a brief conversation. And from there, we can go and decide if there's somewhere to go. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Um, we will link all of that up in the show notes and make sure that um, we, we put links there to, to people to get in touch. Um, but once again, Dov, thank you very much for your time. That was um, absolutely fantastic. There's loads to take away. Um, I'm going to go and work on those um, three questions myself. Uh, <laughs> and I, I will drop you an email once I've got those um, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, and don't wait for the perfect answer. And this is the clue for everybody else. Don't wait for the perfect answer. Just get it down, dig into it a little bit, go a little bit deeper. And if you need help, reach out and get some help. You you know, you won't get all the way there on your own, and that's all right. You're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, Dov, thank you again. I hope you have a great rest of the day, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Russ. Pleasure. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambiz.com fanbizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.